You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Mac. And I'm Vod. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. When I finally had the realization, finally connected all the signs of the anticipation to Alindi. I was so excited. Yet when I announced my discovery to the other world bringers, I was met with scorn. Oh, how I wish that I had listened to them. And yet, any who know me will realize that there was no change, or no chance I would, be give, I would give up so easily. Once I find something to investigate, I become dogged in my pursuit. All right. Chapter thirteen. Chapter thirteen and, and 14. fourteen. We know we know this about Quan. Uh, he studied if trees could think. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and so, yeah, man, just thinking about that though, I'm pretty sure most people have had this experience in their life, or you're going to have this experience at some point. The oh, how I really wish I would have listened. <laughs> moment. Indeed, and this is a this is a big terrorist philosopher. So you know, but anyway. All right, so chapter uh, 13 here. So Vin points out that the mists are becoming starting to come earlier. She points that out to her sir. Uh, and that's very familiar to the previous chapters. Yeah, well, says it's, you know, says it's been saying the Scott have been saying the same thing, right? And so And Marsh confirmed it. Marsh confirmed it. So uh another thing that I kind of see here that's really interesting is that Orsir keeps pointing out that you know, when Vince says, what do you think? Or Sarah's like, I will I will believe what you command me to believe. And that's just consistently how he answers, which is frustrating, but it also kind of tells you the nature of for them. I mean, yes and no. I really think that's just his way of being sassy, right? He's like, you, you, you can, you know, you can command me to do whatever, including believe exactly what you want me to. I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's like very committed to his role, but also, yeah, he's probably just giving a little bit of jab there. Yeah, and so... Vin asks Orsir whether or not this Chandra, the spy, could be rogue. And he's like, no. Like, you have to have a contract in order to enter hu- human society. And he's like, w- he's 100% sure there's no way there is a rogue Chandra. So Vin's like, okay. You know, I believe him on that. He seems pretty up and up about that. He's like, so Chandra are not allowed to kill humans, which means that Whoever is spying, you know, whoever like has the chandra would have needed to come in and kill whoever's bones we found or kill someone and then the chandra would eat them. Can you confirm that? Or so he's like, yeah, the contract forbids chandra from killing humans. So Vin goes, all right. Well, um, how about this? I'm going to nerd out here for one second. This is really, really cool because Brandon is again info dumping us about Chandra, but he's doing it in such a natural way where it's just he's she's asking questions about Chandra and getting answers back. Yeah, show don't tell. Yeah. And so he's like, can you cut a Chandra in order to figure it out? And he's like, no, obviously. I mean I can we can mimic everything perfectly. You saw how I can mimic a dog perfectly fine. Yeah. And so she she asks like, you know, what can you give me information on? And he's being pretty dodgy on it. She's like, well how about this? Could I tell based on them messing up he's like that's probably your best chance but let me tell you like we're very good at this and the odds of you discovering us through us messing up is very very slim and she goes well what about your skill level and he goes 
I think I would be considered average amongst the Chondra. And she like in her head, she's like, oh, God, <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's he's quite good. We look back at how he played Lord Renew. He's quite good and he's considered average. Right. Even even when he was pretending to be Renew with people that knew Renew, they didn't spot him. So so she goes, OK, um, can you tell me then anything? anything about how i can find out who the who the condor spy could be he goes he lets a little bit of information go here he goes well um we can't be affected by emotional allomancy we can't be affected by emotional allomancy that's a clue for you and she goes well that's a pretty hard one to pull off because how can you tell whether someone is not affected or they're just very good at controlling their emotion right so she's like okay i mean i guess that's something Oh, and she asked, why can't you be around? Like, you know, when we were using you in the plan before, you said, you know, we can't put you around a steel inquisitor or or the Lord Ruler. Well, Kelsier said that, but yes. Yeah. He, yeah and, and he's like, why? And he's like, I'm not going to Yeah, that. I'm not going to tell you that one. Is it? She goes, what if I command you? And he goes, no, you got to read the contract. She's like, man, I really do need to read that dang contract, don't <laughs> I? Um, man. She is. He's out here clicking accept to the Apple term and conditions. Yes. But I mean, it's it's funny because she um, it, it's the point of him saying we are not we can't be forced to reveal Condra's secrets. OK, fair enough. Well, she goes. Um, OK, so you can't be affected. Tell me this last thing. Can Condra use Alamancy? And he's like, no. Even if he takes an Alamancer's bones, he can't use Alamancy. Condra cannot use Alamancy. And so she's like, okay, that is something I can work with because all the crew members are mistings, except for Doxon. A lot of them are, and except for, and Ellen, but she's basically like, okay, Ellen, can't, is, it can't be Ellen. And I think even at some point, it might be in the next chapter, but she even at some point says, I refuse to believe that. But I mean, like, even, even if that's the case, like she can't even, can't prove it a hundred percent. She's not even going to believe that it's possible. What I think is interesting is in the next like little sequence is a real change in the dynamic between Orsur and Vin, where she says, "Will you tell me like what you love?" And he's like, "Do I have to?" And he's like, "Well, I'm not going to force you. Tell me if you don't want to." Um, which he kind of seems to like notice that, and then she tells him like, "What I love is the miss of uh, the power that comes with it." It's it really kind of it's a really big change from the interactions that they've had in the past. Yeah, because I want to say in my notes, I was like, Vin's being unreasonably mean. And she was up until, like you said, that point where she just goes, because she, she puts herself in his shoes. She goes, I've seen that resentment before. I've had that resentment towards my the crew leaders when I could do nothing but take the beating and listen to what they say. And so she, she you know, no pun intended, she throws him a bone here and she's like, okay, you know, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and chill out on this topic and i'm going to just talk about me and you can talk about yourself whenever you feel like you want to um but the getting to that she goes you see i love the mist and she's like boom 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 she has this like little bit of a alarm going off where she's burning bronze she's like i love the mist and you know what i don't love all these gosh dang mist spirits my gosh dang mist right <laughs> like and she ends up like feeling that 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 feeling the, the of the mist spirits nearby again. She goes, I'm gonna go check this out because I feel like I'm going crazy. I need to see what the heck this is. And she eventually finds that it's watching her from like a window. And that's weird that's weird as can be like, why a window? Um But she finds it and she's like, What are you doing? And it 
points back and goes, no, you, and disappears. And she's like, well, that's a thing. And then she feels like something grabs her arm and she feels like electricity shoots up her spine. Her arm goes numb and she just falls out the window. Well, they said it was like, it was like something like shot from her ear into her mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and she felt a chill down her left arm and falls out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so she ends up catching herself and like, well, she falls on her side, but she ends up spinning burning pewter hits on her side. So she lands hard, but not as bad as it would have been. I think she was like lawn darting out mm-hmm. just like head first. And she's like, well, yeah, ouch, that sucked. And we shift point of views to Ellen. And so we have Ellen now and he's holding his meetings, his meeting and he's talking to the squad, right? He's talking to the old crew. Well, he's not really holding this meeting. He shows up to the meeting. Well, two hours late. <laughs> and everyone's already talking without him because he was reading some books. And like he was doing some research on what they were talking about. And there's how to deal with the second army. Yeah. And Ellen's like, all right, meeting time. And everyone gives him a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a hard time for being super late. But they're like, Kelsey was late, too. It's like the old times. And so he starts spitting out his plan towards them. And it's pretty obvious that they don't respect him because... They kind of push his plan to the side. They interrupt him and ignore him a lot of times. In fact, Doxon's like, well, we thought I actually already talked about what we're going to do. And he's basically like, well, all this research I did was useless because everyone's already decided essentially to give the city up to Set. Yeah, they've decided that they're going to work with Set because he's the most he's most likely the best option for them to convince. And that that's what they should go with. And Ellen's like, hold up. All right. I got some I got a plan. He's like, this is a book discussing how to feed armies. And they're like, wow, that's super helpful. And he goes, no, it really is. Because even when the final empire was fully functioning, they struggled to supply armies on the on the fringes of the empire. Well, I think what was interesting is the book wasn't even about how to feed armies. It was, it was, how to, it was like the concepts of like moving grain. Yeah, and, moving grain. and he said, like, unfortunately, there aren't books to feed armies because we have not had any wars. So we don't have any like knowledge of the history. But clubs or ham, one of them said like, "Oh yeah, clubs. I remember how much money, how much food it took to like keep that the armies going." Yeah, and, and he, he said that we had relatively small like forces that were going out to squash rebellions on the front frontier, and he's like, we, "They struggled to feed us and these small forces, not just a major army." And so Ellen was like, "This is a a good tipping point because now we can understand like where there are you know we if we interrupt their supplies it'd be a big deal." And they're like, "Well, that's going to be a problem because they have a hold of the canals and they're also got to line into, you know, one of the you know big areas." And I think they even mentioned set in the canneries. Or yeah, something the like canneries. That. Yeah. Um. So they're gonna have access to food, but Ellen's like, "Hey, dude, that works best, right? They have access to the canals." The plus is that it's really easy to move things. The negative, we know exactly where their supply train's coming from then. If we know it's being, they're going to be using the canals. And even Doxon's like, that's a pretty decent idea. And he goes, all right, and now, and Doxon's like, no, I think that's a really great idea. In fact, we, we're going to still give up the town to, or we're still going to give up the city to set, but now we might even be able to force their hand even quicker and make them more reliant by cutting off their, their supply trains. And Ellen's like, yeah, excuse me, I wasn't finished. Yeah. And the Dachshund's like, you know, I always see this dude, Dachshund. Look at how Dachshund is, right? Look at him from the first book. He was never like super, at least I never felt like he was super uh, uh, proper with anyone in the crew. He would just joke with them a lot. With Ellen, it's always, I'm sorry, your majesty. Like, it's like, like he's spitting venom at him when he's saying this. 
And that's what he does exactly. Oh, I'm so sorry I interrupted you, Your Majesty. By all means, continue, you know, while we've been talking about our plan, right? And Ellen's like, I've, you know, this book is about policing Lufidel. And I think we can use these techniques on how they police it to basically have a guerrilla fight in the city. Because he's like, we can't hold the walls. Y'all said this. But we might still be able to win a battle against a weakened army if we use these like guerrilla tactics and fight in the city. And Ellen's like full bore into still like keeping the city, whereas the crew is like full bore into just kind of how do we surrender best? Um, and Ellen actually ends up putting together like a decent idea of a plan to pit the other armies against each other, essentially. And he's banking on the fact that, you know, this is the crew that tried to take down the Lord Ruler and in the final empire, they're not going to want to take the simple, easy route. Yeah, and the I think the most telling part about all of this is that he uh, they they end up saying, you know what, we probably can do your plan, but you made yourself the linchpin because you're going to be have to be the one to convince each side of the armies that you're working with them, and basically they straight up call him out and say, you're a liability. Like, do you really think you could do this? And uh, yeah, it it gets pretty bad, and but before it can escalate any farther. You know, Lord, I think, was it Lord Demu? It was some guard, um, which, by the way, Demu. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Demu. Um, or Captain Demu. Why did I say Captain, Lord? Lord, no, not Lord. Uh, mm. But yeah, Demu. I want to bring that up again because he was the the, 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 the scrawny ska that Kelsier pitted against, like, the giant guy in the caves in the first book. He's the He was the ska that was loyal enough to Kelsier that he he stopped a, at least a piece of the army from going with Yedon's Id- idiotic plan. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I love how you say Yedon's plan to yeet the army and <laughs> just out <laughs> of here. Yedon eats the army. Um, dude, that, that just like, that just screams like an always sunny Philadelphia title. Mm-hmm. The gang and Yedon yeet the army. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, he's cool. I think I think it's awesome that he's here now and we're like seeing him like kind of like rise up a little bit in the ranks. And I think that's super interesting. But he catches him or one of his guards catches the terrorist woman who was spying in the next room over. And they're like, there's no way she could hear. It's like stone walls. And, and Ellen's in here like, well, not if she's a keeper, mm-hmm. <laughs> if she's a keeper, you know, this is going to be no big deal. And she's like, oh, well, I want to talk to uh, Ellen alone. And, you know. And everyone's like, no, that's not going to happen. And she goes, I'm sure the Mistborn who's outside on the roof right now is plenty of protection for Ellen. And Ellen's like, you know, that's a good point. Y'all get out of here. And uh, that's the end of 13. We're jumping straight into 14 here because right when that happens, she like looks around, the door closes behind her, and she taps strength and breaks the bonds. And Ellen's like, hey, Vin, it would be a good time for you to come in now. And she's like, oh, Vin's not out there. <laughs> she left a while ago. And he goes, oh, yes, well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call the guards now. <laughs> and she's like, well, you, you might as well not because I mean, she, she's like, if you know anything about what we are as keepers, you know, you'll be dead before the guards even come in here if I want that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, OK, fair point. <laughs> and so he just lets her speak her piece. And we learn she is a keeper of Terrace and uh, she does not like the way he behaves because he starts she starts calling him out immediately. Stand up straight. Where's your posture? Aren't you supposed to be a king? Speak with authority. And she starts laying into him. And he's so confused at this point about what's happening. And the thing that finally catches his attention, he goes, all right, I guess if I wanted to be insulted, 
I would go back to an assembly meeting. So I'm going to go ahead and leave now. And the thing that catches his attention, she goes, uh, you're Ellen Venture. You're seen as a fool. No one respects you, not even your advisors. And that's what catches him because he's been, I think he's been seeing the same thing we've been seeing. People interrupt him all the time. If he's the king, like, you know, let's just put it this way. And I know this is a bad comparison because the Lord Ruler is a bad person. But do you think anyone would speak out like they do interrupt the Lord Ruler? No. Or even Kelsier. Or even Kelsier. The couple of times the group spoke out against Kelsier was at the extreme moments. And he still, at times, was able to go, eh, shut up. And Mm -hmm. they would do it. Mm -hmm. And so he, like, this really gets a hold of him. And he's just like... Well, you know, and she's like, you're not a king because the only way you can be a king is if someone, the people below you give you power. And right now they accept you. They don't see you as a king. You're just here because you're acceptable. And he's like, well, you know, I'm, I can be a great king. I've read all the books. And she goes, ah, you know, but books, you know, what's better than books actions. There's plenty of people who haven't read books who have done great things. And which is, Really interesting, by the way, okay? The Keepers are all about knowledge, and she's basically going like, your knowledge is dumb. Essentially. (laughs) Your knowledge is dumb. Your action is better. But we learn why. Every Keeper focuses on something. She points out, Sazed focuses on religions. I focus on biographies. Biographies of the great people who have ruled before you. I have studied these people's lives in and out. I know what it takes to be a great leader. And... She's like, you know, well, here you go. And she's like, I can maybe help you. And by the way, uh, I think she goes, oh, and by the way, Vin, you can come inside now. And Vin opens the door and is like, how did you hear me? You know, and stuff like that. She's like, well, I've heard a lot about you, Vin. And you can tell she's gone from like disgusted, no respect from Ellen to, I've heard a lot about you, Vin. Mm-hmm. Very impressive young lady. Very impressive. Right. <laughs> Um, but she's like, you know, you feel uncertain of yourself. You need, I can help you. I don't know whether or not that, that it's going to work this way, but what do you think? And Ellen's like, I'll do it. She goes, okay, well, I'm going to like leave now. Y'all talk this out. And she leaves and Ellen's like, go get her, you know, a place to stay at, et cetera. And Vin's just like, I don't like her. And Ellen's like, you don't like anybody you meet for the first time. So that's not like, eh. But um, Ellen convinces her, like, you know, Twindle's not, doesn't seem like a, like a threat, you know? Yeah. And uh, Twindle's her name, by the way. I don't think I've been, I used it up to this point. Yeah, but, right, right. But yeah, Twindle's like, you know, he's like, Twindle's not a threat, you know? It's kind of like you said, I trust that. A terrorist person would be like the least likely person to kill me, you know, at the end of the day. So, and Vin even kind of like begrudgingly goes, you know, that you're probably right on that. But, um, yeah, she starts asking though, Vin, you know, um, what about the deepness? What do you know about this? And Ellen's like, well, you know, we were taught that the, the deepness was something awful. And she goes, what do you think it is? He's like, ah, based on the way they described it, a creature, some like some sort of creature, some creature. And he's like, what you think the deepness may come back? And she's like, maybe, um, I think the problem here is that based on the prophecies, we understand 
Uh, the Hero of Ages needed to give up the power to save the world, and we know that Rashik did not do this. You know, so he kept the power for himself. Does that mean that, you know, was the deepness never defeated? Is there a problem here? And she goes, what, do you know about the world? Was the world green and stuff? And he, Ellen goes, uh, no, I've never been taught that. And he goes, well, Kelsier believes that, and Sazed does too. Which means, like, did the deepness change the world? What happened? Like, what happened to change everything? And, uh, yeah. Ellen's like, yeah, you're, you're getting, you're getting way past me. And, and Vin's like, well, I guess I gotta go back out and do, continue doing my rounds and stuff, so... I'll talk to you in a bit and Vin leaves and she's like, this is the moment where she goes, I will never question Ellen. I will not question him. I'd rather, I'd rather trust him a hundred percent and he be the spy and betray me than even try to question that he might even be the spy. And she has that moment where she thinks back and goes, I know exactly how you feel about Kelsier. I know how you feel with how you're like, I can't not love Mare. And that's the end of 14. So, uh, more events here in these chapters than than in like even like the previous chapters, um, we got a big idea of like Condra and what they can and can't do. Something about Alamancy with them, um, but we do know that they can't use Alamancy. So there should be pretty easy tests, you know, to be able to like weed out um, uh, at least like Breeze and spook and ham and things like that if you can get them to use alamancy without like pointing off that yeah. they that that they know that there's some we we know mm-hmm. that they that another contra exists um and we also know that we still exist as a podcast so definitely let people know that we exist and give us a rating and let other you know let, help us grow because we are a smaller pro- or a relatively small project we hope to be less small in the future we appreciate everyone who's been hanging out with us so far we very much appreciate it um, but we know that they can pretty much perfectly replicate tissue, um, that it's basically a worthless, you know, attempt to try to figure out, you know, is the person that they're imitating, you know, acting strange because they are so in depth in their craft. Yeah. And I think Ellen even points that out because Vin lets him know that that's one of the ways you could figure it out. And Ellen's like, dude, like someone could legit just be having an off day. <laughs> that's like such an inconsistent way to determine whether they're a spy um and that they can't be affected by emotional alamancy which you know uh, you know it's hard to tell you can't it's not like there's a green light that goes off when someone's being a you know ha- having emotional alamancy on them so we're still kind of stuck we have a couple of ways that we might be able to tease some things out the only like set in stone way is the they can't use Alamancy. So if you know they're using Alamancy, they're not a Chondra. So that makes it, that, that that's at least something that we can use on a few people. Um, so the Mist Spirit, man. Yeah. What is this thing? Because like it's there. It seems to be watching Vin, and Vin actually goes this time to confront it more so than she's done in the previous time. And something like grabs her, and it's yeah. She, it's like she got tased. Like what, what happened? The only. The only time we've so far heard of something similar was in Final Empire, um, when they were talking about things, you know, something, and Alendi thought he was crazy. Oh yeah, and I in in the future, you know, this isn't the cut to the next episode just yet, but like you know, in one of the future chapters, they're going to talk about. I think Vin's going to put together the same thought process you did. 
But what's interesting is she found him with she found this thing with Alamancy. It pulses, you know, the way that Alamancy when someone's using Alamancy whenever she uses bronze. Um, and then she touches it and like has this you know sudden reaction to it. Well, she doesn't touch or it, or rather she gets, gets touched. touched. Yeah, because yeah, it because it had like evaporated or whatever had disappeared from her. Yeah, she's like, oh, it's gone, and then Zap. boom, you yeah. know. So it. Well, at least this is we can intuit that there's something going on here because she um, at times was like, I don't know if I saw something. I don't know if that was something there. But like this time, she actually tried to hunt it down. Unfortunately, our sir wasn't able to able to peep in on it. Um, But we're also seeing, you know, Ellen got really, really laid out with the assemblies and hasn't really, you know, shown shown to be have a lot of confidence among them. Um, but we're also seeing that pretty much the crew sees him exactly the same way. Um, these insecurities he has may be legitimate. Uh, actually, they seem like they are. Yeah. I and I think it's, as Twindle points out, right? Like, people in general are drawn to confidence. When someone's confident, you know, normally they, they, they can, I'm not, I don't want to say get away with like being the leader but it's more so like you want to listen to someone who's confident if someone's stuttering over their words um or just like continuously saying um <laughs> clean your room bucko yeah ex- yeah exactly so they they want confidence and ellen doesn't have that confidence he doesn't inspire that confidence either because you know we like to think that people in general are taken purely off of their own value. And we know that's not true. You know, what are you going to first reactions are a big thing. If someone comes in to teach a class and they're wearing, you know, workout shorts, uh, uh, just like a air dry, like a tighter shirt. That's just for working out and their hair is disheveled. They're sweating because they just got out of someplace. Are you going to like respect that person more teaching? Or are you going to respect the, the professor that walks in you know, clean shaven, you know, nice hair in a good suit, looking like he's ready to do the job. And that's what Twindle is pointing out to Ellen all the time. He goes, you don't look like a king. So immediately that's points against you. On top of that, you don't feel confident enough to be king. So not only do you not look the part, you don't, you're not giving off the vibes of the part. Of she course, a, no one's going right, to respect you. Right. She makes a lot of really, really good points. And you're going to, this is going to be like a common theme here. Um, she's, uh, very knowledgeable, but like very, very strict and upfront. Like, Hey, um, you, you, you're not a chief. Um, like it's, there's just, uh, you, you just have so like, you might have the knowledge, you might have the good intentions, you might have all of that kind of stuff, but you don't have most of this other stuff. And I know this stuff like very, very well. Um, and again, like we kind of see this is something we saw a bit in the first book where Ellen was somewhat charismatic, you know, good with his friends and very knowledgeable and had very good intentions. But when it butted up against the real world, he was just kind of flabbergasted. Yeah, he was, He's likable, though. Like that's yeah. like that's what he is. He's likable. But like when you think about like being likable versus looking for a leader being respected. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to put right. it. Yeah, it's not the same thing. We're, we're seeing that play out firsthand with the way pe- the assembly treats him, with the way the crew is treating him. And, you know, it's. In, 
I don't want to say like, no, what's the word? It's not nerve wracking. It's like, to me, it's kind of anger inducing when I was watching this play out because we, the readers know that Ellen has some really good ideas. Right. Or at least, you know, it's, it's played out that he has some good ideas. I mean, he's, he seems like he says a lot, all the right things. And, um, it's kind of interesting because we, we end up segueing into this talk about the deepness which we haven't really heard much about up until now. Like um, we knew that it existed, that the Lord Reader finger quotes defeated it. And uh, Vin has her own little bit of skepticism. Um, and all of this is kind of being played into like with the lore that we understand right now. And Vin, and Ellen shuts it down. Like he's like, look, uh, we have armies to deal with and a whole bunch of other stuff. I probably don't need to worry about some so the 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 world consequences of something coming up let's not bring another thing on the on, on, onto this stuff but vin doesn't really let it go and in the next chapter we're going to figure out how far she doesn't let it go hey everyone vod here please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes monday through friday if you enjoy listening consider subscribing we are a very small project so please support us with likes and comments you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.